What's up, family? Welcome to another exciting episode of Rappers in My Backyard, the podcast that stays lit. We rap about relationships, music, and entertainment. I hope that you guys had a great week and had a chance to get out there and get your voices heard through everything that we're going through right now. So thanks so much for tuning in today. Our topic today is going to be our relationship with gangster rap and hip hop. So you know we about to get it lit in here today. And on the grill, we will be throwing Black Lives Matters as it refers to the true gangsters out there that is preventing us from getting our message out into the world. And you guys know that I love opening up every episode with a quote that allows us to be able to eat and manifest from the knowledge that we'll be talking about and sharing with you today. So here's the quote. Gangster rappers, they call them, not nearly as gangsta as the things that inspire them. You know, the gangsta government that we're under. And that comes from Russell Simmons and that sets us up lovely to have a great, great conversation with our guest today. So let's talk, express, relate, connect with our guest today, Gangsta Draysta is what in up, the what building. Up, what, up, what up, what up, rappers in my backyard, what's going on, Lisa? What's up, fam? Oh, man, same old, same old, another day. Nothing hey, like the other one. I didn't hear you say another dollar though. We ain't man, getting no money. You know that's that's so, that go without <laughs> that go without saying. We shouldn't have to say that no more. Black Lives Matter now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so the, we shouldn't have to be be fighting for that. That that always should be a part of the natural process. You know? Right, right. Well, I want to say one thing. My What's boy up, BG Knock was not able to make it today. So we're going to get BG back on the show. But just like any real brother. His brother is here representing. And so we got Gangster Drayster and me and him going to take it and roll. And we're going to have a good time doing this. Definitely. So what you been up to, Drayster? Uh, shit, me, myself, I've just been, I don't care, can I cuss on the podcast? Hey, cursing, go ahead, you done let it loose. I need to know if I can be myself. You know yeah, mean? oh, you can be yourself uh, just, here. Uh, me, myself, I've just been reprogramming, restructuring things, you know what I mean, With, within my uh, my health and other other things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just trying to refine my groove and my niche where I fit in and trying to find new talent and uh, develop new talent and new avenues to, you know, to uh, create some new money streams, some financial, you know, benefits from, right. from my gifts. Right, and yeah. you have many gifts. Many of them. Many, <laughs> many gifts. Well, you look great, Drayster. You know, so they, you. they somehow think that, you know, us rappers in the 90s, we supposed to look all chewed up and everything, but nah, you know. man, you know, a lot of us rappers in the 90s, all of us wasn't on drugs and alcohol. <laughs> Some of us skipped that part of the process, you know what I mean? Yeah. We, was, we was more focused on trying to be creative and trying to be successful. Right, you know? right. So that kind of preserved us in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah, thank goodness for the preservation that we got, Definitely. you know, going Definitely. on. So let's get right into these questions. I wanted to talk a little bit about the history mm-hmm. with you so that our audience will know why you so gangster. No, but why you are here today and also the path that you guys laid prior to yeah. us having this conversation. So let's kick it off with Real Brothers 
is the album that you and BG Knockout put together. Mm-hmm. Real Brothers, B-R-O-T-H-A. Yeah, Brothers. Brothers, ah. yeah. Yeah, so I like that. But you guys put that out in 1995. Uh-huh. So talk to me about how that came together and the thought process, because that album right now, I still play today. Because well, I need 50-50 love. I need, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I need the things that make me a whole person. So talk to us about Real Brothers. That album derived from basically a, a big brother who, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in the juvenile system. Okay. I was in California Youth Authority. And, uh, you know, my mother and my little brother used to come visit. I would have raps written that I can write. And then I'll go and we, I'll teach him the raps and we recite them. And he was out here. He was in a, a group already on the street, so he would come home and learn the raps and use them for different things. Okay. But I was also in there writing, you know, writing songs for me and him once I was released. So we, we I mean, that Real Brothers was actually one of those songs. Okay. And that, that's what formulated that album. Just me t- foreseeing our future and what I wanted for us, you know, to be in music. Right, right. And I just think, too, the title of that LP right now is just so significant because in order for us to win, we got to be real brothers. Whatever it is that you do, you have to be real about it. So, you know, give us one of your favorite songs from Real Brothers, because, I mean, there were so many heaters on there. What what was was something on there? Real Brothers is actually my fun. It's actually probably my favorite because Real Brothers is the title track for the album for a reason. And another reason why I chose the name the album Real Brothers, because at the time after our success with Real Compton City G's and Easy e a question that we, we received a lot when we would be out, uh, you know, interviewing on radio, go to different states, a lot of people wanted to, they always said, you know, because my little brother light skin, he had the Jerry right. Curl, I was brown skin with the ball head, you know what I mean, with my hair short. So a lot of people didn't associate that we were actually, they didn't believe that we were real brothers. More, some people thought that him and Easy e was brothers right. because they both had Jerry Curls. Yes. But what a lot of people didn't know is that I also had a Jerry Curl. <laughs> I just cut my Jerry Curl the day before we filmed Real Comp City G's to keep Death Row from having the opportunity of using three lookalikes with Jerry curls for their response video. <laughs> right. So I thought that was I was being intelligent, you know, trying mm-hmm. to think forward, you know, to about what we were getting ourselves involved in. Mm-hmm. So that that title track Real Brothers is also for people to know that me and my brother are say are real brothers, that we come from the same mother. Right. So that's another part of why the album was titled that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm telling you, dude, like I said, I still listen to the LP. Now, speaking, you touched a little bit on your conversation about uh, DPK, which was Dog Pound Killer, TPG, right? Dog Pound Killers. Well, anyway, what was that beef that y'all had between Death Row at the time? I mean, it was just like, it wasn't wasn't really a... For us, we kind of took it a little more serious being like, I, like I said, I just came home from California Youth Authority. My little okay. brother was actually really out here active in these streets, gang banging, you know what I mean? So a lot of the, the elements that I brought to the rap game was actually real elements from really beefing with people, whether you're in the industry or, I mean, not in the industry, whether you were in, incarcerated or on the streets. It was like a real, you know, we took it serious. Like mm. we took it as a, we, we from, we, we really from a gang. Right. So I didn't understand claiming <laughs> a, a rap group as a gang. I never understood that part because that, that's not my mentality. My right. mentality was that if I'm from a gang, I'm this is where I'm from, nutty or nothing. You know what I mean? So right. it, it was just like we were using those elements, but it was actually, it was Dr. Dre and Easy es beef. It wasn't really Dog Pound and, and BG Knock on Dre's beef, but it was our introductory into, introductory into getting to this industry, just like Dog Pound and Snoop Dogg you know, they use their introductions to get into this industry. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Dre Dave, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg didn't have beef with Easy, but that was his opportunity. 
And right. he seized his moment. So we were just trying to seize our moment. Right, right. And seize you guys did. That yeah. song is still, you know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. And it's I, one it of the bangs. greatest, I believe it's one of the greatest uh, uh, videos. This, in the, this, this video yes. that's never included in the, in the conversation, though. Yeah. But Dark Pound Killers, is a, it's a cold video and it's, yeah. a, cold, it's a, a cold song. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. The visuals was really good yeah, with that. And, you know, it was real creepy sounding like... Yeah on the come up. Yeah. So speaking of that whole thing, how did you even get involved with working with Easy E? Were you signed on a Ruthless Records? No, we Records? never were signed with Ruthless Records. What it was is that I already had kind of a reputation in Youth Authority for you know my raps and writing raps and being a you know a slick rapper. So Jim Bob and Pat, who was some friends with Easy and also friends of mine who was already working with E, they all were kind of anticipating me coming home from Youth Authority. Okay. And uh, when I came from Youth Authority, Easy E had this, you know, he was about to release his record. Uh, Dr. Dre 187 Killer album was already being pressed, basically. Okay. And uh, I went to the studio one day, and he uh, he heard me rap live, and he said, "Man, would, would you write me a rap? Would you write something, you know, to respond? I got this track, you know what I mean? Well, ooh. I said, Man, yeah, you know what I mean? This this is my opportunity, right? You know, so I, I end up. He asked me to not only write him the rap, then he asked me, "Will you rap on it with me?" And I said, "Yes, yeah, you know, it's Compton, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was there to represent the city, so." It was like I said. It was not only my introductory into the the rap game, but like I said, I had a, a history where I, I went to Roosevelt Junior High School with Easy's sister. So it was oh, just okay. people that knew me, you know what I mean, already prior to that. You know, I got cousins who grew up with Easy as well. So it was already just kind of something that was almost destined to happen. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. And it felt good. Yeah. It was. It was. It was a lot of people like at the, at that time. A lot of a lot of people in the industry was kind of you know it was, they was on Easy's neck at the time. They was really yeah. trying to you know get rid of Easy. You know, musically, as far as being in this industry, you know, he was really taking it after after No Vaseline from Ice Cube, yeah. And then the tape, that was Dre Day and Snoop Dogg. It was really, you know, it was it was rough. Yeah. So he really had he was at a point where he needed something. You know what I mean? And and by me writing that record, and that record it became the first single off of his EP. They had to stop pressing at include that record onto the EP. You know, so it was just like something that was a, a savior for Easy E, and you know, like a lot of people, I love, I like the Death Row music. I couldn't, you couldn't deny the music; it was good. Right. But I also represent a city that I saw. You know, what I mean, the 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 Godfather of our city was being, you know, pushed to a level where he probably wouldn't have been able to recover from at that moment. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I just saw the opportunity to try to write something that I thought would, you know, and I learned a lot from studying No Vaseline and other records like that. You know, in our history, so I just, I just utilized what I knew. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And just compounding on that whole thing with being involved with Easy E and Ruthless, mm -hmm. how prominent is the record "Fuck the Police" right now? Oh, it's super, I mean, it's super it seems prominent. like man. So tell me what, because you you guys were like around coming up yeah. when all of that stuff was coming together and had a had a. I was actually in youth authority. In I was in youth authority during that time. See, and a lot of people wow. don't know that. A lot of people don't, don't understand that. A lot of music, a lot of the gangster rap, and not even just gangster rap, hip hop, is promoted behind those walls more than yes. it is on these streets. Yes. You know, we we the people who were, who were sitting behind the walls, calling home, mama, look, order this CD, order this tape, order this. It was cassette tape. Then it wasn't even CDs. Okay. I need this cassette tape. And then when you, everybody didn't have family members that sent them anything. Mm -hmm. So it was, if we, if I get it, and I know somebody down the hall want to listen, so I gotta send the tape down. And we're the ones who were promoting these music and deciding what was good and what was bad. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, uh, at that time, we we were going through a lot. Like we, I was in Youth Authority during the riots in 92. I was in Youth Authority for the, the, the NWA, the fuck the police and all that, but I was living it. I, right. I didn't have to be here. They were speaking my story. You know right. what I mean? 
I've been beat by the police before. I've been through that before. You know what I mean? So they were just speaking our story. They were talking for us basically because we didn't have a voice to to speak for ourselves. We would have forgotten. We were the 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 juvenile delinquents. Right. Nobody was thinking about. You know what I mean? Right. But the whole time we're behind the walls promoting and saying what you know and, and passing the information of what's good and what's not good. Right. Yeah. Right. So I mean, so while you were a youth authority, BG Knockout was working with easy no no he was working with a group called he was with a, a program called youth at risk oh okay okay were, uh he was a rapper in a group called youth at risk where they were doing kind of positive music and stuff like that mm -hmm. you know but he, I, i've always been a writer i've been writing rap since i was 12 years old i've been doing that since i was a kid so it's just natural for my little brother to gravitate to it as well right so i just i i like what he would do but then i would write other things to try to enhance on what he was doing you know a lot okay. of people don't know like his bg knockout flow is a is a cross between me and and a little Daz effects and other people like that. A lot of people oh, don't know yeah, that. Oh yeah, he does yeah. have that. A lot of people don't know this because that that derived from Daz effects was had such a big impact. Mm -hmm. uh, you know when they came out that people started changing their flow to the diggity wiggity iggity. You know what I mean? Right. So I would write raps and it will have that in it. But then when I saw that he was mastering that, I come from the era of wanting to be original and wanting to make sure that I have my own style. So I let him have that and then I changed mine and just you know started being regular and I didn't do the iggity wiggity raps no more for myself <laughs> right you know I mean? so it's just a way of trying to create our own identity right you know? and i thought he mastered that identity of it yeah, yeah i think that was really good too now what song tells your story because i mean you're such a provocative writer and great at painting such a perfect picture of your thought process so if you had to define a a song a song of that ours? you a song of yours that basically defines your life from being in youth detention to be able to live through all those things mentally however being on the yard with the true people that are going through a lot of the things that we're still going through i would say life is a puzzle ah life, life is, is a puzzle, a puzzle. Yeah. What, what is one of the lines in life in the puzzle oh, wait no, you can't is, ask me that you can't ask me that right life is like a puzzle um, yeah, Life is just a puzzle in within the game. Yeah, yeah. Life oh. is like a puzzle. It's just like you know, it's, it's you're given all these different pieces, and you gotta mm. sometimes like like in my position, I right. had to learn a lot on my own. Okay. So I didn't have a person there to teach me how to take the puzzle and, and make it this. And I had to find these pieces, and all the pieces weren't always there. Right. So you had to find the pieces in other places and other people. Right. You know what I mean? So I grew up in an environment in juvenile in the juvenile system where you had to learn how to not only communicate with this person, you had to know how to deal with. 80 or 100 people in one confined space right to be able to survive and get along right. you know what i mean so life is a puzzle is one of the songs that i think it, it, it kind of explains what my story is right yeah. right and it explains all of our stories right now with right what now. we're dealing with because life is a puzzle and the one piece that we keep missing is the fact that we matter in all of this Definitely. that our culture matters so when we talk about puzzles as it relates to your song and how perfectly it matches mm -hmm. your life and what you do it is so current right now just like your album just like real brothers is i know it was in 1995 mm -hmm. but dude everything on there right now i could play it and be able to close my eyes and know it's right now yeah we've been we i think i was a little before my time as far as <laughs> writing and, and and things like that and like life is a puzzle it ain't just like the pieces of the puzzle aren't missing just because they're missing they're, they've purposely been hidden there you go you know what i mean so so it, it, it's like systematically that we have to do extra to, to find those pieces to the puzzles with other people and other 
you know, parts of the culture or other people in their culture were given all the pieces, the proper pieces. Mm -hmm. We weren't even told there was pieces missing. We were told this is the puzzle, but they ain't, we ain't gonna tell them that the pieces is missing. And then when they find the pieces, it's still, they, we didn't defected those pieces even more. You know what I mean? So they gotta find the other little pieces broke off the pieces, you know what I mean? So that kind of, you know, like you say, is, is relevant right now. Yes, and that just brings to mind, I was listening to a young black girl and she was basically just spitting or rapping or talking about the true situation. She was looking at things the way we are right now. Mm -hmm. And it's just sad to hear somebody 19 years old that feel that they've never had a chance and don't have a chance for mm -hmm. a better future as it refers to that. But people like you and, and you being on the show and sharing with us your journey mm -hmm. and to, to let everybody know that life is a true puzzle find your pieces yeah. and you have to be knowledgeable in getting those pieces like how did you craft your life put it back together when you were dealt a certain hand mm -hmm. i think is i think what what the youth need to understand is that there's nothing unique about what they're going through yes their stories that they feel is, is just about them it's the same story we had to live through like yes. you say to be that age when we were when we were young we were we were told we wouldn't live to be 21. yeah you know what i mean so yeah. it's the same story because we've been dealing with the same oppressive system that's been keeping us all oppressed and it's been passing down from generation to generation. Yes. So it's not, don't ever think that, that you're the only one going through what you're going through. We've all been through it. And sometimes it's good for you to listen to other people. Yes. To, you know, start respect because it's a, it's, a, it's a lack of respect between the generations right now in yes. a lot of ways. And it's based on, you know, money and, and the, the, the little stuff that they dangling, the little carrot they dangle in front of them that they think is money. It's not even money. No. And I, I had to learn by by dealing with people like Russell Simmons and, and going to people's houses who had money like that. It, it would be something sitting on a people. On a, it's, it's something right now sitting on a motherfucker coffee table that, that's worth more money than your favorite rapper ever sell in their life. Yes. So I, I use that as a tool for people to understand the validity of how what money is and what money isn't. Yes. The things that we out here killing for and that we think is real money, it's not real money. No. Not at all. It has no value to it. No value to it. And it all starts with us learning and loving who we are and being unapologetically clear about our communication as far as it's concerned. That's the key. And, you, and they have to understand when you say loving who we are, it's not just about <laughs> loving your people. Because you can't even love your people till you love yourself first. That's it. So you have to learn to love yourself. You got to learn to honor yourself. You got to learn to honor your struggles as yes. well as honor the good times. You know what I mean? If you don't honor everything, then you're going to miss something. Yes. If you try to just say, okay, I'm going to just like the good parts, you, you're going to miss something. There's something that you need to learn in the other parts too. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn all those aspects and, and honor all those aspects in order to become who you are intended to become. Yes. Yes. And, and you said that so perfectly I well. Appreciate it. So perfectly well. Because again, when we were talking about the month of June, mm -hmm. and I knew that I was going to have the opportunity to have you and BG Knockout, who I'm having later on this month, uh -huh. I just was saying to myself, just everything that I was feeling, I said, you know what, we're going to call this ruthless June, <laughs> because not in a, in a negative way, yeah. but in a way of being positive with it, saying like, it ain't just ruthless June. You have to be ruthless always yeah. in terms of what it is that you're trying to acquire for yourself. Yeah, and that's you based know? on your perception. What is your perception of ruthless? Right. Because everybody's perceptions are different as well. You know yes. What I mean? So it's, it's based on your perception because you can make everything, everything that we've been told is negative ain't necessarily negative. No. We can no. use it to our advantage if we understand the, the perception of it. 
and we apply the perception to our own thinking and our own self-care and self-love for ourselves. Yes, yeah. yes. And and that's why, like I said, we always have tags put on us. You're a mm. gangster rapper. You're corny. You're whack. You're this, that, and the other. Uh, but at the end of the day, none of those titles can depict who we are and what our journey is. And that's why with you, you're not only do gangster rap, but you know what true gangster is because you are a true gangster we have in that sense. I don't mean to cut you. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. The, the, the thing I want to make a point is that those titles are not just necessarily titles that we've created for ourselves. Those are titles that was given to us. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And just like we are as a people, we, we've learned to take what's given to us and turn it into something, you know what I mean, that can be beneficial to us. Yes. Even though it was meant to do something to, to kill us off. You yes. know what I mean? So those are just titles. They don't mean nothing. Nope. They, they don't, don't even they don't anything. even register on the scale of real life and real money and none of that. None of that stuff mean nothing. You know what right. I mean? Because the real gangsters is the Bill Gates and other people and that and that's why they are where they are because they are really the real gangsters. Right. You know what I mean? So it depends, like I said, it's about perception and understanding that every title that we use is not necessarily a title that derives from our spirit. Right, yeah. right. So just because you call me a gangster, you don't understand what kind of gangster I am. Yeah. And then not only that, when they say gangster rap, you guys were just telling the story of the systems that you guys were in and how you seen the world through your eyes. So That's to it. me, what's gangster in being real about your situation? That's it. And it got like right now, a lot of people have been taught, like the younger generation, think that you have to actually be a shooter to be a gangster rapper. Right. And that's not where it started like that. It started from, from we were like, rappers were considered like the street, uh, 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 what you call it, the reporter, the news reporter. We, it was okay to, to rap about this baller over here because you were just telling this story because he wasn't going to do it. He maybe didn't know how to do it. Right. You know, when I started rapping, rapping wasn't just something that, that everyone did. It was something that, that few did. Yes. And, and a lot of people didn't respect or understood what they did, so they had to deal with a lot of flack from even wanting to become a rapper. Yes. You know what I mean? So yes. a lot of us laid the pavement for people in the streets to, to embrace this culture and to decide, okay, I can do this too now. Right. You know I mean? But it wasn't right. like that. It wasn't always like that. And the younger generation wasn't here to understand that. So that's why it's a lack of respect between the originals and, you know, the younger dudes because they don't know that it's a lot of things that people did in these streets as far as writing street raps and, and carrying on the torch for this culture that made it made it possible for them to be able to do what they're doing right now. Right, you know? right. Man, hold that thought. I'm yes, so happy that you and I are together today, Draster, on this prominent time in our history and in our culture. Yes, We're getting ready to go to break, you guys. So hang with us. When we get back from break, we're going to finish up on this amazing question that me and Dracer got going in this conversation. And then we're going to take it to the grill, you guys, because we got to throw Black Love, Black Lives Matter on the grill today and discuss how it's affecting us and how we're going to move forward. So you guys stay with us. Keep it locked, baby, and keep it gangsta. We'll be right back. <laughs> What's up, family? Thanks for hanging with us. We are back and we are live and we are together and we are social distancing today on this show. It's just so amazing to be back to live. You guys know I was Skyping, I was Zooming, I was doing everything so that we can bring it to you guys as raw and real as we possibly can. So today I get to be with my brother, Gangsta Dre Stuzz in the building and we gonna go back to what we was talking to. 
talking about prior to break, and that was just that whole perception of things perception as of far as and, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, what we want to talk? What we going to? What's the next point you want to talk about? Well, I think we did everything we needed to do with the prior conversation, so I'm ready to go on the grill, man. I want to talk about this Black Lives Matters. That's perfect. So time. let's go to the grill. Let's burn something up. <laughs> Oh, let's burn it up. Shout out to my people in, in Compton right now. I planned on going to the Peace March today, but, you know, the schedule came for I had this pre already uh, pre-booked for me to come here and do this with you guys. But I want to give a shout out to all my people in the city right now that's, that's coming together and marching for a good a good cause and a good purpose, man. Yes, indeed. It's so beautiful. We was just checking out the footage of everybody being out there and being together in unity. And that just goes to show we could be together. We need to be together. And it ain't just about one race. It's about all races. Because if they coming after us, they coming after y'all. So that being said, let's talk about this Black Lives Matter as it refers to gangsta. Mm -hmm. The true gangsters are the police right now. Mm -hmm. Our government is the true gangsters. So let's talk about, let's let's do this thing where it's like, you say what a true gangster is, and then I say what the government is doing, which is exactly the same thing. Like, mm. I guess I can, I can take it, <laughs> I can go all the way back to like when we were on our Arsenio Hall show with Eazy, right? Okay. And the question was posed to Eazy about him and Dr. Dre's rivalry at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was, to, it was posed to KRS-One. Okay. Who we know is one of the most articulate oh. rappers ever in this industry, right? Mm -hmm. And KRS-One take was, was only, was, was the person who, who says they're gangster is one thing, but the person who actually owns the person that says they're gangster is the real gangster. Right. So I think that is relevant right now today, and that's what's going on right now. Like I say, the titles that we've been given as far as calling ourselves gangsters and all that, that was given to us. And yes. most of the time, things that are, that are given to us are given to us so that they can cover up what it is that they're, that's really going on and who the real gangsters are. Right. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's, it's based on perception. It's been, I think if we learn to change our perception, we learn to, to see things from a different perspective, like look at the whole circumference, yes. not just looking at just one part of the pie. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we need to learn as a people. Yeah, we need definitely. To pass down. Yeah. And I also, like I was saying earlier about this young black girl that was 19 years old, mm -hmm. she said something that was very very profound mm -hmm. because you know there's three type of different people out there protesting it's the people that's out there for the cause and there's the people out there for wanting to help the people mm -hmm. for the cause and then you have the other people that's there to loot and do whatever but when you don't understand when the world doesn't understand what we have been deprived from mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying like some people ain't had nothing mm -hmm. so when you got you're looking at a busted window wide open with merchandise i'm not saying it's right but you ain't had nothing your stomach's growling you've been wearing the same jeans hand me down this that and the other when those doors open you're going to run through that door mm -hmm. because you want to see what it is to feel life and to feel like you matter yeah. you know and that's why i think we have back to what you were saying the titles of being gangster mm -hmm. and being a looter and being a thug these are the things that's been thrown into this black lives matter again to do just what you were saying mm -hmm. to set up something that's being covered in the background 
Because yeah, like I said, it, it always going to come back to perception, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it always come back to perception because the people who are talking about the people that's looting don't understand their perception of what they've been through. You don't know their story. Yes. You don't know their reasoning for what they're doing. You don't know what, what anger has been invoked in them from what they've had to witness on a television. Yes. You know what I'm saying? The people who are who are protesting peacefully, who may have something to say about the people that's criticizing the ones that's looting. It's, it's, it's all done on purpose to create confusion. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, uh, it's done on purpose to, to, to try to overshadow what the real mm-hmm. purpose and the, the real need is right now you know what i mean so if we get if we fall into that conversation we're going to miss something we're going to miss the good parts we're going to miss the things that we need to be focused on yes so i don't have judgment for people who decide to run up in the store and go do what they need to do because guess what how many times you've been in the store you you went to go pay for a hundred dollar pair of tennis shoes and they came out to 139 (laughs) you know taxes and all you know i mean so it's the same We, we we robbed every day people are being robbed every day just by going to buy groceries you know what I mean? There's people out here who, who who go to buy groceries who can barely provide for their family, and the taxes is so high on everything that at the end of the month they probably got to go two weeks without feeding their family properly. Yes, I yes. grew up where we had to eat beans and and potato sandwiches, so I know I understand the system and how the system does those things to keep the people at the bottom at the bottom. Yes. So if you if you steady trying to hold people at the bottom and then they see an opportunity, well they can, it, it ain't even matter if the opportunity is just for a pair of sneakers. That that one pair of sneakers might invoke a piece of pride in them that they feel more than what they've ever felt about themselves. Just to be out to be free, to feel like they're not being you know mechanically moving around like a robot being controlled. You know? Right, right. And see that's why I'm just bubbling inside, yeah. you know, because. I've been working with my company for over 17 years, right? Yeah. Getting all sorts, even in the corporate environment, the gangsters real, yeah. okay? And so now all of a sudden, which I appreciate, I'm not saying I don't, mm-hmm. but now all of a sudden, we've come on the radar in terms of the fear treatment, getting the money we supposed to be getting, getting the promotions that we're supposed to be and getting. why is that? It, it, that's what I'm saying. Why did it take all of this time? Because it's popular. That's, That's it. it. Everything That's is it. If whatever becomes popular. I don't. If, if if Black Lives Matter becomes more popular than racism, then racism will have no more avenues uh-huh. because the people at the top who have money they don't give a fuck about racism. No, they don't care about they that know. shit. They care about making money. That's period. it. So if the money trail is bigger over here with Black Lives Matter, guess what? They're gonna switch reels on the races now. Mm-hmm. They're gonna ride over here with the Black Lives Matter. Yes. And that's what's happening right now because it's the, the 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 response is too large right now. Yeah, and it can't be ignored because it's not just coming from this skin. Right. So it can't be ignored, and and now it's other people who who don't have the skin that understand they're still a part of the skin. Yes. The Latino community. Yes. The Asian community. It's a lot of those who are niggas just like us. Yes. You know what I mean? You, yes. A lot of people don't know when you look at at China and Japan and those people are eating mice and cat and dog. We don't. We used to think as a kid. I thought you know what they was doing that because that's just their culture. But yes. it's not. Yes. Those are poor people. Yes. That's what they've been given to eat. That's yes. that's all they have in a lot of instances. So we have to. Everybody is having to to look at things differently now. Right. Right. You know what I mean? And not right. just look at other people differently, but to look in the mirror and look at themselves differently now. Right. And that's right. the difference. Now, this is the one question I want to ask, because, you know, we are emotional people, Definitely. you know, which I hate sometimes with myself. It's like, at least if we could just take the emotion out of this thing, baby yeah. girl, it would be a different standpoint for you. 
But do you think that we can keep this movement going? Because, you know, once the bells and the whistles and Gucci and Fendi and all of them start opening up again, will we lose sight of the movement? I mean, it, with anything, I don't <laughs> think it's never going to be where 100 percent of the people are going to stay, you know, uh, dedicated to a cause. But this right here is something that's historical that I know we've never saw before. Right. It's like it's like, you know, we never thought we'd see a, a Barack Obama. But Barack and, and I don't, you know, I'm not campaigning for any political party or anything, but Barack Obama instilled a hope in us as a people. Yes. That it didn't matter what he did once he was in there. It's just the yeah. fact that we lived long enough to, to see that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I just, just living, needed the visual, just like the you visual. were saying. Yeah. Just the visual is, is needed to instill the hope in the people for people to, to, to invoke something within themselves that make them want to push a little harder. Yes. You know what I mean? I can see things a little different. I think the big companies and the, the people who've been, been running the world, they have to look at things differently right, right now. It's a yes. lot of businesses that's not going to be able to sustain this blow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's going to open the door for a lot of us to be able to open some of these other businesses and, and put our touch on it now. Yes. And, you know, we're the best at putting our touch on things. There it is. You know what I mean? So I, I just think that it's a it's a, a coalition of colored folks that understand now that colored is the majority and not the minority. That's it. And you know what? Through all of this Black Lives Matters, just a movement. Like yesterday, I went to Oxnard because I wanted to get out. I knew what my city was going to do. I knew mm -hmm. the Inglewood was going to rep. I knew Compton was going to rep. I know that we've been screaming to have our voices heard. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, let me get into these other areas and just see what the other nationalities and stuff are doing yeah. and how that feels to feel embraced finally. Yeah. No matter if it's just for one day. Yeah. Just to feel embraced. Like I'm not, I don't stick out like a sore thumb yeah. so i went to oxnard to see the movement and stuff like that and when i tell you draster i mean it just brought such greatness to my heart and it actually motivated me to get back on my game definitely because this ain't no and pity I'm familiar with i guess when i told you i did time of youth thought i guess where oh, i was at where was you at ventura oh so god right next door you know what i mean wow Right so, yeah, but I mean, it was just so to see so many biracial relationships, whites and blacks and Latinos coming together, man. I was out there like this because you know what? Nothing is going to move forward unless we work together colorless. It's got to be a colorless process in terms of taking it from us to the next level because society isn't just us. You know, there's a whole bunch of people that make that up. So to see that everybody finally got the memo that we've been handing out for, I don't know. I've been handing it out since a little girl because yeah. I felt it since a little girl. Yeah. So now to feel like, okay, now I'm on the map. Now y'all got to hear what I got to say. Yeah. Let's talk. And it's, it's ironic you know? that you said that, right? Because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a deep thinker. I overthink everything, right? Okay. So I have my own little personal uh, uh analogies I put to certain stuff. So I realized that I say, okay, this is like really the racist worst time in history for them right now. Yes. Because what they've done, they've forced people to, to who normally wouldn't even look at a black person or a Mexican person and, and think of them as, as their brother or their sister or their, that they are doing it now. So what all these people that's out here protesting, people are meeting. Yeah. People are forming new relationships, yep. new alliances. That means it's going to be some colored babies and, and some Latino and white babies and stuff that's going to be deriving out of this. Yes, you yes. You know what I mean? 
They so got to grow up in this that has, world. That, that has to grow up in it. And they're going to grow up with a different understanding of it now because their parents will instill something different in them because yes. they've lived through this moment right here. Yes. Definitely. Yes, yes, yes. Man, Drayster, we, we, we burnt that up, man. We put that <laughs> on the grill. Take that away from me or the grill be gone because we killed that one, man. Ah, sizzle, sizzle. It's a delicious thing. So let's keep going with the questions. So in your opinion... What do you believe our relationship is with gangster rap and hip hop? Our relationship with gangster rap and hip hop. Yes. Um. It's it's I don't know. There's different ways you can look at that, right? It's it's basically the urban community utilizing our tools. It's like what what it's like what basketball was before rap was. Okay. You know I mean, for rap was invented, basketball and football was the thing to go to. So it's it's part of our fiber now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But it's not the gangster rap title is something that's it's it's iffy now to use that word because all you know you got certain music now where people aren't rapping, they're singing the raps and they're, and they're talking gangster stuff in it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But then you have white rappers who are adapting to it who've been accepted into the culture, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, the, the Slim Jesuses and other people like that, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, and like I said, I don't try to pass judgment on none of them, but this is really supposed to be, this, this is supposed to be our, our language. Right. It's like our pig Latin. It was, it was once our pig Latin, where everybody didn't understand it. Yes. Everybody couldn't be able to, couldn't do it, or didn't even try to do it because they were too busy listening and trying being informed that they were trying to learn. Right. But now it's been watered down so much to where almost anybody can do it. But I guess we're at a point in, in, in the world where a lot of, cultures are you know starting to adapt to to differ to each other you know what yes, i mean and this has become yes. the universal language for all races now not just colors you know what right. i mean not just niggas you got white niggas now right. you got latin niggas now you right. know what I mean? you got asian niggas now who are speaking this language and, they, and it's a reason for it because it's something that's tapping into their spirit right you know and, and it's like anything through our history from the days of pharaoh has been plots against mm. the black man it's been plots to, to stop us. It's been plots to kill us all. It's been plots to do all that. But guess what? We we made it through all of it. And right. when I say black man, I just don't mean black. I mean every colored. Right. You know, male in this. And, and minorities our, in general. Minorities yeah. in general. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. But we've learned how to, to, to navigate through it and, 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 you know, take the chitlins and make them taste good. You know what I mean? <laughs> like everything else. Yeah. I mean, there was a time what they wasn't touching no chitlins. Now you I still don't touch them, but I just use it as an analogy. I don't right, eat, but shoot. I, don't eat, I think we, none of us should be eating that. It's yeah. slave food. Yeah. We ain't there no more. That was for a different time, a different period. You know what I mean? I think we need to cut get that off out of our the diet. Slave food. That shouldn't be in our diet anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. Well, you know what? I got a thought for that. I like eating slave food so to keep me in the mentality that I got to stay fighting to eat better. So that's the way I look at it because I do eat chips. But do we want to stay in the mentality that we have to stay fighting or do we want to finally get to the mentality where, where it ain't us having to fight no more? That they uh, got to fight. They got to fight to be a part of this culture because we're the yes. culture that's running the world. Yes. We're, now it's that, now yeah. I think is that time. But what I'm saying is throughout life, you have different things that yeah, you that have you to all, use to motivate, to motivate yourself. You. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, that's your perception. That's your motivation. I can't take that from you. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So that's that's basically you know what that is but why do you think that gangster rap is the most lucrative subgender of hip-hop well like i say it's something that was given in hopes to tear us down 
So anything that the system can use that they think is going to tear us down, they're going to put everything behind it, right? Yes. But what they didn't plan on is that it didn't tear us down. No, it, it didn't. It built us up and then it built other little us's and other cultures in, in, in their neighborhood and not only in their houses. I just watched a little girl on TV, on, on YouTube the other day, explaining to her parents about Black Lives Matter. And she was crying. She was hurt that her parents were still thinking from a, a racist perspective yes on you know yes. what i mean but she corrected their ass you know what i mean because so that means we've, we've made it into their homes yes and not just in a negative way it's in a good way because mm -hmm. they need that wake-up call as well yes because their few their kids future depend on it just like ours do yeah. right definitely right so keeping it gangster define what a studio gangster is because you guys say that in one of your raps prankster i can't let you get away with just gangster. saying we say that right i'm, no, I'm, I'm, gonna, remind yourself, I'm, I'm gonna remind the world of something right now because i've never been given this credit the first time that term has ever been used was on a record written for me. Well, that's why I said Studio that, Gangster. That is a term that comes from California Youth Authority. Ah. See, people don't know that. That's okay. a term that we created in California Youth Authority. Okay. And because like we always looked at, like say for instance, being 15, 16 years old, you, like I say, we're the juvenile delinquents. Okay. Okay, yes. so rappers who were, who were putting records, who were releasing records while we were there, mm -hmm. who came, who were, you know, saying they were gangster rappers, Guess what? We got it's homies in here right now from those neighborhoods right. that can tell you everything about that rapper mm -hmm. and whether he was actually a gangbanger or if he was just somebody who lived in the neighborhood who chose that now he's gangster rappers popular so he put some khakis on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> got behind the mic. No, but we came to jail in khakis. We had khakis on. We, you know what I mean? So that's where that term derived from. It was certain okay. that I won't say the name, but it was certain people who said, "Oh, that's the, oh that nigga ain't really you know blah blah blah." So oh, them niggas just in the studio being gay. So right. that's a term that derived mm -hmm. from youth authority. And the first time it was ever on a rap it came from Drake. Wow, you know what? Because I love that term because yeah. I feel that same way with just like working. Yeah. You know, just different people just want to phone it in. That's what a studio gangster is to me. Like you don't, you ain't cut no, you ain't get no limbs cut. Yeah. You still living and you ain't served no time. So how you gonna tell that story? Yeah, and a lot of people you have know? it twisted. Like like I said, the younger generation <laughs> think that you have to kill, 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 and shoot, shoot, shoot to be a gangster. That's not what a real gangster is, either. You know right. what I'm saying? What's a real gangster? It's a lot of gangsters that ain't never pulled a trigger. Mm -hmm. That's gangsters. Yes. You know I mean, a real gangster is a person that understands the what 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 he's doing and what he's doing it for and that he's doing it for something bigger than himself. You know what I mean? It's it, Al Capone and all them people. Them people was gangsters. Right. You know, Hillary Clinton is a gangster. There she go. Barack go Obama Hillary. is a gangster. You know what I mean? <laughs> people who can create generational wealth is the biggest gangsters in the world because they control everything. They can control the gangsters. Yes. They control those who think that they're gangsters. You know what I mean? So it's, it, like I said, it's based on perception and what you think. But Studio Gangster, that, that's, that comes from California Youth Authority. Yes, indeed. Definitely. And that's a heck of a term. Yeah. And I mean, it makes it really, really good. You know what I'm saying? No. Because, like I said, it's understanding our struggle, which is really gangster. That's and that's, all it is. You know, that's was the purpose of this episode, because I wanted people to see real gangsters do real things. Yeah. And just because you're a gangster doesn't mean anything derogative. Yeah. It's a term that is necessary, yeah. you know, but it's also an attitude because to me, I'm gangster about everything that I do, which means that I made the choice. I'm willing to do the repercussions through the choice mm -hmm. and I'm ready to stand on the word that I've built. I have family you know? members. I have family members who their their gang monikers 
since they were eight, nine years old was gangster such and such. Gangster. Right. So yep. those are some that we all grew up with those titles. And our, our back then when I was a kid, looking at it, all we thought gangster was was being a gangbanger, shooting or selling dope or robbing. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's a stigma that was given to us, like I say, by other people. And it was just us following what was popular. Yes. Just like with Black Lives Matter, right? It's popular. Right so people now. are going to follow what's popular. Right. Mumble rap was popular. So people <laughs> thought mumble rapping because it's popular. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. That's what this, this the whole world is about now. It's about being popular with social media and things of that nature. It's about being popular. Whatever becomes popular, that's what people are going to follow. Right, right. But again, that was going to be my next question in terms of the way social media plays off of the word gangster and what that really means, mm -hmm. you know, because I also feel too that the term has been taken, you know, now the police are gangster, the government's gangster, and now we're ho hoodlums. Yeah. But I'm just saying, yeah. again, embracing a word yeah. that was originally depicted on us, they always end up taking it away because guess what? We make it look so yeah, good. We, we wear it well. You know, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Whatever term you give me in society, guess what? That term is not going to affect my end game. And that's, that's the message. That's an old school tactic they've been using for generations and generations yes. since the days of, since the since the Willie Lynch letters. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Which was a damn good letter. Putting title. <laughs> and it's, still, it, it, it's been, it's been, it's been very, uh, uh, it's been working up until this point. I think yes. now it's, it's finally, it's finally going to finally get some type of things to counter what the Willie Lynch letter did to our yes. people. Yeah. You know what I mean? All the titles that they give us, it's a reason for it. And like I say, most of it is to, is to disguise what it is that, that's really going on behind the scenes. All the time, yeah. all the time. So like I said, that's why it's so necessary for this month to be dedicated to ruthless June because we got to be ruthless about our pursuit of things. We have to be ruthless when it comes to who we are, mm -hmm. you know, and just being able to stand on that because I really live by this whole philosophy, you know, don't allow your circumstances to make you, but use your circumstances to define who you want to become because those circumstances have made me have a certain grit, mm -hmm. a certain understanding and a certain dedication to my own cause. It's the same. And yeah, it's the same as working for money. Yeah. The rich, the rich gangsters don't work for money. <laughs> no, they make money work for them. That's it. You know what I mean? So it's, it's the same, the same philosophies. We just got to turn around and realize that we can use those same philosophies to help us. You know what I mean? Right. Help us benefit from what, was you what was intended for our detriment right yeah. right because you tried to set me up for pain and guess what now that pain is equal to now the my flame. pain is for sale you got yeah, it is now, now you gotta pay for it exactly. now yeah exactly. you know so you know dracer i always like to ask somebody a question on the show because this shows theoretically was built on relationships you mm -hmm. know a lot of the relationships that we have with people and sometimes we don't give the energy at that time or make a mistake with that relationship because we don't know again. Yeah. So I want to ask you, is there a relationship that you would like to mend and why? It's a bunch of relationships I would like to mend. You know <laughs> Just I mean? give me this, one. Me, and be, you me know. doing this podcast is an attempt at mending relationships. You know what I mean? Okay. So it, it's, you know, I've been through some things in life where I, I kind of stopped trusting everything and everybody. Right. You know, and I know when you do that, I learned now that you can do that. And that's also systematic for you to end up chasing some people away that, that's intended to be helpers in your life. You know what I mean? So yes. I have a lot of relationships. I, I just did a song called Apologies, 
where I'm, I'm, I'm apologizing for those things. I'm apologizing for, for homies who've been in prison that I could have wrote letters to that I didn't even write letters to. Right. You know what I mean? So every, it's the little things. It ain't even the big things. Mm -hmm. So I'll just apologize to anybody. I've, if I've ever mistaken a person's love for, for, for being uh, false, and I didn't, you know, didn't honor what, what was intended for me to honor, then I, I apologize for that. That's right. Me, you know? Right. And that's gangsta. That's, no, that's, that's what gangsta is. It's real. It's real. That's real. That's, yeah. that's really what it's all about. So I got to ask you another question, Drayster. How did you get in my backyard, man? <laughs> Your man. What do you mean? <laughs> Who's my I mean, man? I, I, I started <laughs> a career in this backyard once upon a time. You know? Shout out to Greedy yeah, Greg. Greedy Greg, man, for sure, man. So how did you and uh, Greg get together? I just want to tip. Oh, do you want me to tell that story? That story got some yeah, little stuff in it. I don't just know. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> no, nah, well, well, when we when when Easy E passed away, or right before Easy E passed away, we uh we were looking for a deal, and and Greg, Greg, Greg I don't know who it was initially. But one of my partners brought my little brother over, here and they wanted to sign a deal with my little brother. Okay. And at the time, I was kind of mad about it because we was a package deal. That's my artist. You know what I mean? But, right. But at the time, I was also still young and didn't understand. The validity of that being my artist was right. You know what I mean, so I had to fuss a little bit, and they end up including me in the deal. And at first, I was like, "Go ahead, do it," because you know what? He can't do it without me anyway. Right? You know what I'm saying? Right. They didn't know how much I was doing behind the scenes as far as you know the creativity and things like that. So okay. I took it personal, but that was that was the the the, the immaturity in myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And not knowing the business side, and not doing you know the things I could on the business side. But I was included in the deal, and we ended up doing Real Brothers and. And I think it was just a classic moment. You right. Know, I had my moments where I, I felt I was mad about it because I wanted us to to do new songs. I was still learning myself. So I was still learning the process. I was getting better as a writer. I was getting better as, as a producer and creating and, and you know, uh, and putting things together. I was hearing things differently. So I wanted to redo certain things, but they was at a point where now we already, we want to run with this right here. You know what okay. I mean? Okay. So it was a few little, little odds and ends, but it still was, a like I said, it was something major for me because I come from nothing. I came from from being in youth authority for six years, and this was my dream. I was out here living my dreams. You know what I mean? So right, yeah. right, and that's important to our viewers that are listening. So shout out to Greedy Greg, and I'm so for happy sure. that you came up in this backyard because there has been some amazing talent back here and yeah. i also want to show the world that because we're doing all of this in the backyard baby so we pulling them in the backyard for sure <laughs> so how can we be down with you drayster how can we follow your movement give me all your information let them know so that we can keep up with you and you know you're going to come back to the backyard for sure oh yeah definitely man i'm just you know, i just say keep your ears open i got a lot of different things i'm trying to maneuver um, trying to get greedy Greg we're trying to give this film industry get in this film industry and tell our stories on that level as well yes. I believe that that's that's a natural progression from where we came from and that's always been a, a different you know position I always wanted to be in with this executive side on, on the, in the film industry we can tie in the music and the documentaries and all that type of stuff together so uh, my Instagram is gangsta underscore Dre underscore sta, sta. Uh, so people can you know know how to spell it correctly. Okay, but, say it uh, again. Gangsta G A N G S T A okay. underscore D R E underscore S T A. Okay, all yeah. right. But so you can keep updated with that right now. You know, I'm working with a producer named Irvin Pope with the Furnace Entertainment. All right, shout out to him. Trying to finish up our, our project, our, my solo project right now. Uh, like I say, other other ventures. My little brother's uh, we got a movement going right now called Child Support is Fraud. You can check on <laughs> childsupportisfraud.com. That's a good one. I'm serious. And you can actually download the affidavits right from the website. Okay. For a short fee to help teach black men how to get out of the, 
the the mm-hmm. oppressive child support system. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, that's been because that's another thing Definitely. that you guys don't take care of your kids and all of that. Like, there's so many layers to this, yeah. Tracer. Yeah. And like I said, we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about that format with the child support. I think that we yeah. should just do a. I want to have them show. come on. The, I want to have them come on the show whenever you're ready. Uh, okay. And it's from a group that I created called the Young Halls. That I was the you know the, the manager and the CEO of a group called the Young Halls. They're still doing music, but they also two of the members one works under. 50 cent right now okay and they created this this thing because they both had to go through child support and they had to figure out and i'm, a, I'm another person I've, I've been on child support for 20 some years Jeez. and i've been my daughter was with me since she was four years old mm-hmm. but they still want some rears for some child support when the child was with me yeah. so this is just a way to teach men how to get out of that loop so they can go back to work they can get their driver's license back and they, not, they can get from under that oppressive child support system. Right, right. And let I would me love tell to have you, them come on as guests. They're real informative about what they do. Yeah, I want to have that. So after the show, let's go ahead and exchange information so I can reach out to them because I think that that's needed and necessary too. Like Definitely. I said, this is Ruthless June. We're going to keep it gangsta. We're going to get that information out there so that people know that the movement is real and we're trying to educate and elevate each other Definitely. through every freaking way that we can. And so build up we and ran don't tear out of down. time, man. And build up and don't tear down. That's all we got to do. Build up and don't tear down. And that brings us to our quote, because we're going to close it, and it sets it up right. Gangster rappers, they call them. Not <laughs> as nearly as gangster as the things that inspire them. You know the gangster government that we're under. <laughs> Again, that comes from Russell Simmons. It's timely. It's real. Feel it. And thanks so much for tuning in today. Make sure that you guys have a great week. Make sure that your voice is heard. Make sure that your energy is felt and make sure that your love is embraced because that's what we need to be doing right now. Thanks so much for tuning in to Rappers in My Backyard, the podcast that stays lit and we keep it lit and we keep it hot. And we're going to do that every Sunday at 2 p.m. Also, make sure you guys subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell because that's the way you're going to find out about exciting guests that we have like Drayster and other education and other educators that we're going to have to come up here and talk to you guys about the realities of going on and then we just launched our new website on monday so make sure y'all go to rappersinmybackyard.com check it out it's nice and slick like the show is so make sure that you tune into that and get ready because we make it hot all summer long with this ruthless june and like i said i cannot wait Till next Sunday to talk, express, relate, connect with each one of you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. The podcast is Stays Lit. I'm Lisa O. You know I'm running this thing. And I'll see y'all next week. Love you guys. Wow.